It's pronounced Coven. Coven sounds like oven, man. Jesus told me so. <laughs> hey, hey, everybody. That was, uh, uh, this is Brett uh, out of Fort Wayne, Indiana. We are going to be spoiling a, I don't know, documentary slash movie called uh, American Movie. Uh, I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but I think you should check it out. But I guess uh, we'll decide that later. But let's see. Let's go from, let's introduce everybody. Uh, East to west. Let's do that. So I guess that'd be Josh. I'm Eastus now. Um, so let's. Uh, you go ahead and tell. Say who you are, uh, who you are, and where you're recording from. And I don't know your favorite documentary. Oh well, I make many docs. This is Josh Long. So my favorite are mine own. But cool flex, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, speaking of documentaries, it made me hesitate when you said documentary question mark at the top of the podcast, Brett. Like. As far as I was watching this movie, everything was a thousand percent true. Is that not right? Yeah, I think so. So why did you hesitate calling it a documentary? <laughs> I don't know. It just seemed more like a like a. I never mind. I don't know. I don't know. So go ahead, Josh. So are you <laughs> yeah, really so going to go with you going to go with no, yours? No, my favorite documentary is definitely Troll Hunter. I thought this was the second documentary, so technically we've done three then. Uh, Troll Hunter is definitely like a mockumentary, like Blair okay. Witch would be. But I like that answer because that movie is so fun and campy, so I'll stick with it. <laughs> okay, so I guess that leads us to uh, Stevie. Hey there, this is Stevie recording from Elkhart. Um, favorite documentary? Um. That's a tough one. I've seen a lot of them. Uh, we just saw Beach Bum, Stevie. What's that? <laughs> we just saw Beach Bum. It's true. Uh, I got to see Matthew McConaughey's Natural Habitat. I'd probably say... Um, I'll just say the recent one I really enjoyed. I wouldn't say recent, but it came out in the past few years. was um, Won't You Be My Neighbor? Oh, a documentary yeah, about Mr. Good. Rogers. That, that was good. a tremendous movie. So I'll say that one, man. Great documentary. It's what it's all about. That came out in 2018. Yeah. So not that long ago. All right, cool. Uh, that was uh, Apple Cider Stevie. And uh, now we're coming to Pappy. Yep, this is Pappy, recording from Louisville, Colorado. By my math, this is the third actual documentary we've done. We did Hire, and we did uh, Jim and Andy way back in the Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. By yeah. the same guy. Yeah. So uh, my favorite <laughs> documentary... <laughs> That was a tough one. Um, I liked Three Identical Strangers last year, but I'll pull a Brett and say a couple. Um, I also really like the uh, Heart of Darkness, uh, the Apocalypse Now documentary, and one we were just talking about in the thread uh, called The Sweat Box, which is the making of um, Emperor's New Groove. It is one of the movies that like enhances the movie watching experience more than any other like it is a crazy ass production and I don't, Stevie I don't know if you recommended it to me or I recommended it to you but I know you've seen it and it's fucking bananas you definitely recommended it to me and it is terrifying because it literally ruined a man's career and his life so definitely check that movie out mm -hmm. sweet what about uh, Boeing for Columbine I bet that's Brett's <laughs> Any Michael Moore vehicles, Brett's I've, favorite. I've, I've never seen it. Um, he's a turd. But uh, I guess uh, I'm going to say, I'm going to do the whole uh, 
Josh thing and say two. Um, I'm going to say both of mine are probably 30 for 30s from ESPN. I really like uh, Unguarded, which is about Chris Heron. He was a basketball player who got into drugs and his career got ruined, and now he's a motivational speaker. He played for the Celtics? Celtics, yep. Yeah, yeah. He went to Boston College. It's a great, great documentary. And another one is called Once Brothers, and it is about uh, Drazen Petrovic and uh, Vladi Divac and kind of their – stewing animosity towards each other when they played on the Yugoslavian national team. And it was, it's a great, great movie. I don't know if you know about Drazen, but he was like the best European player ever. And he died in a car crash, like his rookie or second year in the league is Josh, you know who that is? The, the creepy uh, NBA jam thing that. What? It says his name in one of the things, Drazen Petrovic. And it's like really creepy. <laughs> what? All right, we'll have to look into that off air. Can but. I pull a Brett and Josh and name another? Yeah. Yeah, pull. don't name too many documentaries, though. You're going to hurt trivia. I have to. Okay, this one came out recently on Netflix, and it's just called Woodstock. And it's literally just about, uh, like, a. it's a really good uh, kind of story in the shaping of how Woodstock came together hmm. and how the music and the people that were there really shaped three days of, or three or four days of just awesomeness. Great, great documentary. Can't recommend that one enough. I believe my father in law just watched that. Um, he was telling me how just how crazy the whole thing was, and yeah, that's yeah. that's one I have to see. Can I just bring up something with you choosing two thirty for thirties for your favorite docs uh, for the listeners? What about catching hell for for the listeners? Brett is a sports dude. We had to push the pod back a week for a Packers game, and then this freaking <laughs> movie is all about the Packers winning a Super Bowl. I don't think I didn't <laughs> notice that, Brett. I 100% did not know that was the case, and they showed him the first time. I was like, cool, he's got a Packer hat on. Are you at least I, not I, watching? I didn't know that there was going to be like 14 other references to the Packers. So, Are you zeroed in on this pod tonight? No drafts? No Monday Night Football? <laughs> no Thursday Night Football? I got football. Thursday Night Football on, but uh. I, it's, it's cool, man. <laughs> Alright, let's, uh, let's get going. Um, okay, so I like I, I told uh, Stevie and Pappy in the beginning, I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to take like just a minute to just talk about this, what this documentary is about, and then we're just going to like kind of riff off each other and talk about people and situations and everything. So um, this is a documentary. I think it's by what? Chris Smith? Is that his name? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's about Mark Borshat, Borshart. He's trying to make this, what he, I think he calls a great American movie. It's called Northwestern. Um, he's kind of writing through it. He's taking, um, he's, people are coming in to act for it and everything. And he realizes it's not going to get it done. He doesn't have the money for it and it's just not working out. So he decides to go back and finish his uh, short story called Coven that he started working on like six years earlier. And it's pretty much a story of him trying to make this movie and, Things just keep falling through. He runs out of money. He's trying to get money from his Uncle Bill, who's just a wild character. Uncle Bill! Is giving him money. Um, <laughs> but he's Poor like guy. never letting him forget about it because he just, he doesn't like the, he's kind of cheap. So, so it's pretty much the whole story is him making this movie and all the things that go wrong. He's got a crazy bunch of friends. I mean, I think, I mean, Mike Shank is like really funny. I'm sure we'll talk about him. I, I can't say what I used to say or people used to say about him, but I, let's just say he's done so many drugs and alcohol, he's not as smart anymore. Let's just put it that way. Um, he's what super word goofy. are you dancing around? I'm not dancing around anything. <laughs> what? 
The hard R, probably. He, he's, what, burnt, he's burned that's, out. That's what, yeah, that's, let's quote that. Other people would say something else a few years ago, whether it was right or wrong, wrong. But yeah, Stevie kind of got it. So, um, <laughs> and basically, he, it, this movie takes almost three years, like exactly, and they finally release it. It does well. Um, well for him, he just needed to recoup like $30,000, I believe as of 2004, the movie ended up selling over 6,000 copies, which is like in the 70,000, so did pretty well, he's had a nice, a decent career out of it, weird stuff, but and that's pretty much what the story of this movie is, uh, documentary, and it killed at Sundance, um, it did it right, the, I mean, it made like over a million dollars in the box office, which I think is probably pretty good for an independent documentary, but... Especially in the so, 90s, yeah. Right. So that's pretty much all I have um, for that. The dessert, another big storyline. Oh, yeah, and the Packers won the Super Bowl. I don't know if you knew that or not. Um, they've won four, actually. But <laughs> um, so is there any other storylines you think I kind of glossed over too much that you want to bring up before we kind of start? Like as I, uh, Stevie said, I, there's a lot of meat to this, so I want to get into it. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to this onion, Brett. Yeah. Anything that stands out real quick before we get into it, or did I forget I like a big storyline? A big part of the movie is that okay, what's Mark? Who's the lead guy's name? Mark, yeah, yeah Mark is a raging alcoholic, and yeah. <laughs> he's like a nice guy. When he drinks, he's like a huge dick, right? I don't know. I mean, I don't have a lot to say about it other than that's like driving a lot of what's happening or what's not happening or, or plus, questionable decision making at times. Plus there's some um <laughs> there's some family dysfunction at a couple different levels like his parents didn't get along growing up and it really affected them and now that they're older his parents are like great they can hang around each other. Um his uncle like I said is kind of weird. Uh he's also you you kind of watch him dying on screen as terrible as that sounds. Um the his poor kid- man lives in squalor. Oh, dude, his trailer is it's tough to watch. But dude, he's got—he says he's got two hundred seventy thousand dollars or something like that, dude. I wish I had that in my bank. Well, the, I mean, I, I mean, I do have that in my bank. Mark's but. dad like makes it like he implies that he was like some kind of like scholar or like some like yeah. really smart guy. So I'm guessing he was like some kind of like corporate job and had like a four hundred one k and stocks and stuff, but like. He doesn't seem to have any family of his own, and he just hoards right. his money. And, and <laughs> there's a whole dynamic of Mark just trying to like pry it away from him, and it's really hard to watch. And he, yeah, um, but like just to add a more dysfunction, he's got a problem with his baby mama. That's a really weird situation. Like she Alyssa? hates him, and she's dated someone for three years, but she. Get super mad at him that he won't marry her. It's super weird. I kind of want to delve into that, Brett. Yeah, let's let's like, let's get into it. So, like, it's really strange because the, the director Chris Smith does a really good job of kind of like not dumping everything on you at once. He slowly peels mm-hmm. back the layers, and for like a good hour of this movie, you think, "Man, he's the ultimate artist." You know, he's suffering for his craft. You know, it's just him. And then it turns really sad because you realize, oh, he has three children that are depending on him to make responsible decisions mm. and like help them eat and, and he, buy he can't clothes. Afford gas. Yeah. And he can't afford gas. But no, the movie comes first. And it's just like when you realize that he has three children, it's like, good God. It's really crummy. I don't want to know Josh's opinion on this as the only father amongst of us. Three? But that 
that moment is a fucking grenade in the movie that like really takes a lot of the lighthearted wind out of the sails. <laughs> Very much so. They seem to like him though, and he's got a good relationship with him. He just yeah, he's kind of a deadbeat. <laughs> Josh. Uh <laughs> this movie is honestly like a large percentage horrifying to me. It goes back to like fair. Uncle Bill's trailer and uh, this director and cinematographer, and I'm pretty sure it's his voice you hear like asking questions. It is so gritty and real. It's absurd. And like Pappy said, when they introduced the kids, like I practically wanted to look away every time they're on screen. I mean, he's pretty sweet with his kids and he like, he gets on the level with them as he shows like multiple times, but it's just so sad how these people are just living in general. It's so sad to see the kids. Like, my God. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I, I guess I'm just saying they seemed happy. They didn't seem to want for anything. And, I, and like, he's not doing his, his – he's not holding up his end of the bargain, but it seems like they don't want for anything. One of the craziest parts with the kids is the the, do, the documentarian asks, uh, what's the last movie your dad took you to? And they go, Apocalypse Now. Yeah, that was, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. It's a horror. I'm like, holy shit. Do you guys want to make movies someday? No, it takes a no. hundred years. <laughs> I like laughed out loud when they're sit- he's sitting there with his daughter and she cusses and he's like, did you just, yeah, oh my gosh, can someone like describe that scene? Anybody remember that happened there? Yeah, so he's like, "Did you just say shit?" And she's like, "No, I did not say shit." And he's like, "Cause I might, I, if I'm hearing things, I need to know." He's yeah, like, I you don't must, care. She's like, yeah. "You must be hearing things." And he's like, "No, I have good auditory <laughs> auditory sensor." And she starts cracking up. Like I just, I was like, I really, really enjoyed that. I thought that was kind of a, a like a heartfelt scene between mm-hmm. them. Uh, well, he's half listening. Shit, all I can see is purple land. Is that the first? Did you swear, man? Purple. I don't care. I'm just asking if I'm no. if I'm hearing things or I'm going to sleep because I never hear you swear. Never swear. I thought you said shit. <laughs> did I you? Did. Huh? No. Did I? I? Yeah, you did. I just want to know because I'm think I don't want to be hearing things. That's no. It. I don't care. I'm just asking. You're hearing things. No, I don't. I got good auditory senses. But to Josh's point, though, you do have a scene like where he's just having it out with the only time you see Alyssa is like from the back and like the kids are like just standing there like while they're screaming at each other like that is that is hard to watch I know but I could tell you from I've seen it and it, that stuff happens unfortunately way too much so Jody is like I thought that was a pretty genius part of the filmmaking Pappy as you put it she's a huge character in this but clearly she didn't agree or consent to be mm-hmm. on film and like there's one shot, kind of shaky camera from far away. You see her from the back, right? And that's it. Yeah. But, okay, I just want to distinct, though. Jody is his new girlfriend. Alyssa oh, is right. his yeah, baby mama, girlfriend. which we haven't talked about Jody. I um, like Jody. She's nice. She's nice. She's supportive. Older. I, I don't know what she sees in Mark. And, yeah, she's definitely a cougar. <laughs> Way older, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Mark um, seems to have one. Sorry, Brett. I don't want to step on your toes here. No, you're but, fine. I think Mark has one positive thing that everyone can agree on, and that's like his tenacity. You can't yeah. break him. Mm-hmm. He's a good talker too. Like he's always talking, but he, I could like I think the perfect explanation for him is like the, was it the dad who said something like he's actually pretty smart. He's not a good student, but you know he always tests it out pretty well. So you know how many people do we know like that where 
they were smart. They just didn't, they hated school. They didn't want to go to small school and they're probably successful now, even if they didn't go, you know, didn't do well in the uh, secondary tertiary education. So, I mean, he's, he's well-spoken. I think a lot of that, like his failures comes back to the alcoholism. Like he's talking yeah. about how like he was 14 and like, he's like, that was like the, my favorite thing in life to do is to like get beer, go to the cemetery and film stuff. And it's like, the beer was probably really, I mean, no, it's like, it's going to fuck up your brain development. You know, you can't be doing that. Yeah. And it's interesting too, that the, the director, Chris Smith, he is a Milwaukee U grad. So like Mark's going into Milwaukee U to like utilize their editing system, yeah. which is just, it's linear editing. So it's <sighs> like antiquated for even 1999, but like he's going nuts with like film itself. I, I don't know. It's just ironic that they end up and there's so many connections to the university. And that's like what he never did that could have probably given him a lot more opportunity. Yeah. Josh, have you ever spliced film? Uh, I've gone VHS tape to VHS tape, but I've never <laughs> done actual film. I have too. I've done that. It's weird. Concord Junior High used to have a uh, old tape thing where you could record on another one. It was pretty pretty awesome <laughs> um painstaking like, is i think what you meant to say <laughs> yeah like compared to what you can do now in like two seconds yeah um but like what you're talking about pappy you think the drugs and alcohol maybe affected him and his brain development but you look at him at 30 and compared to mike at 30 <laughs> the like, hero of this movie i mean i know i wanted i wanted to have a huge chunk of this talking about mike but it can be really soon too but like do you think Mike did more of the hard, trippy drugs as opposed to the alcohol, and that's why he's more? Mike did both, right? But like, <laughs> that, I mean, uh, like Pappy said, Mark was talking about he was smoking dope and and drinking at thirteen, fourteen, like all the time. So it's not like he wasn't doing. But God, I can't wait to talk about the PCP story. <laughs> well, <laughs> Mike is. is like Mark, except he doesn't have like. A passion, so he's a lot. Like, why well, would he ever music? Why? Scratch off tickets. Music. Oh my gosh! <laughs> <laughs> but he, he my, makes me so happy, but so sad at the same time. He never really has need to come out of the fog, whereas Mark has to like come up for air every once in a while to get his films done. <laughs> That's true. I'm never drinking or using drugs again. Are you sure about that? I'm a hundred percent positive. <laughs> God, I love that song he that plays throughout the. It's just him kind of talking over that cool riff. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> there's this one scene where uh, I think it's Thanksgiving, and <laughs> and uh, Mike comes over to Mark's house, and Mark is like wasted, and Mike's got this big smile on his face, and like Mark's like, "What are you so happy about?" And then it's like cuts to the basement, and it's like it's a talking head style oh my interview, and he's like. I won fifty dollars on a scratch off ticket today. He was the biggest like he's so Kevin happy. From it's the like the best smile. moment of his life. Yeah. I love how there's a callback to that too, because he's like, I'm not gonna tell him I won fifty dollars because they'll wanna like take the fifty dollars. And then <laughs> yeah. when he wins two hundred dollars like later, the first thing Mark says is, What you gonna do with that money, bro? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's still a lot more layers of Mark we can get into like i mean i thought the 
it was kind of a cool explanation. Maybe it didn't make a lot of sense, but like why he liked horror movies more than the other movies he grew up with. I mean, he liked all other movies and stuff too, but what did he say like the horror movies for? Because it like showed like trees and like landscapes or something like cool sound or I don't remember what he said, but well, one of his brothers said that they thought he was actually going to murder oh, yeah. someone someday. <laughs> his younger <laughs> brother was, was kind of, yeah. <laughs> his younger brother, like I feel like resented him or, he didn't talk very nice about him the whole time, and he said – he kind of made it like, oh, Mark said he's going to be big and famous, and yeah, look at him now. But at the same time, he almost seems like he's jealous of Mark the entire movie. The older one's more of just like, ugh, I was supposed to be doing this Northwestern movie. Why am I sitting around two years later while he's finishing Coven? The younger brother like flat out says, I think he's really talented if he worked in a factory. Yeah. He's like, yeah, oh he's my like, He's good. he's like made for factory work or something. Like that. I was like, oh my, oh my gosh. gosh, that's, well, that's brutal. That's a crazy aspect of this film is how candid all of the individuals are with Chris Smith, whoever they're talking to. That Sarah woman who are in the credits, like mm-hmm. to say that he thought that his brother was going to be a serial killer. Like his brother's going to see that. You yeah, know what I, I mean? <laughs> <laughs> there's yeah. no way he's not going to see it. Yeah, but Pappy, there's one part of this movie that is the most candid. Do you know what I'm thinking of? Mm, give me a clue. Mm, bathtub? Oh, with oh. Uncle Bill? Yes! <laughs> that's also Thanksgiving, and that's when they break out. Okay, a hilarious part of that is when <laughs> Mark... Is is drinking the the he's like he offers Uncle Bill schnapps and Uncle Bill's like yeah and they just get wasted and then later on Joanne comes over and Mark goes and it was Uncle Bill's idea believe yeah. you and me <laughs> bold face lie listen uh, would it make you feel better if we get that uh that house of schnapps yeah do that would you like that yes I would with his peppermint schnapps. Yeah, well, that was his idea. Not mine, believe well, me. Well, I hope he doesn't pass out in there. But the bathtub. You t- I'm, I don't want to talk about the bathtub. It's sad. <laughs> Stevie, you talk about the bathtub. I don't want to talk about that. Dude, that whole aspect of the whole story was super sad. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll describe it. I'm, I'm the only father here. I can take care of this. Uh, yeah, you see, like... <laughs> How did they even set? Uh, they just—it's a super candid shot of kind of like a crappy house's crappy bathroom. <laughs> old Uncle Bill, we're talking like eighty-seven-year-old Bill, is in the bathtub with just like one of his feet is like always hanging out, <laughs> and like Mark is straight up giving him a bath and just hanging out with his nude uncle and like talking about how his armpit. And there's this one hilarious line about how they're talking about his toenail that is easily thicker than a quarter inch that's a thick toenail bill <laughs> should be in a science book eh <laughs> anyway it's just crazy candid it's like but it's like so real because like old people need to be taken care of and this is one scene where i thought mark looked really good in it right i wonder though if there's something that they weren't showing us, like if like for Bill's dignity, like if he had some kind of accident or something, because he also washes his clothes, which I've been to a lot of mm. Thanksgiving dinners and I've never like had a break to take a bath in between drinks and dinner. So, oh, we're still talking about the bath, huh? I mean, yeah, or just the whole Thanksgiving thing that I feel like 
Mark really wanted to drink, and so he just gave his uncle, poor old Uncle Bill, some schnapps, and so he could get drunk. Yeah, that's probably pretty common with drinkers, I guess. Okay, sorry, I had to check something out. You okay, Brett? Yeah, I, I had to leave for a second. Um, My wife heard something bang against the door in the garage, and uh, I got up and grabbed a hammer and went out there, and I it, stuff just fell. Jeez, keep us on the line next time. Yeah, I'll call 911 for you. I had my dog and I had a hammer. I'm going to jack somebody up. Blink twice if you need help, Brad. (laughs) No, we're fine. Um, Just my uh, protective reflexes had to go. I had to leave. Sorry. Brad, while you were gone, we really just broke down the bathroom scene. That's that's cool. I I was super shocked when I saw him laying in there with his leg up. <laughs> That's pretty much all I could say about that, I guess. So that was his great uncle, right? I don't. I think it's his. I think it's his uncle, but like his his dad must be significantly younger than because his dad called him his brother. He looked up to his brother. Mm-hmm. That's like a forty year age difference, dude. He yeah. could just be sick. <sighs> he looked road hard and put no, away he looked, wet, man. He looked okay, like the beginning, and then by the end, it was hard to watch. I do, I do love though how he's always given Mark shit. Like someone said earlier, like he's literally like he's on set most of the time, and like he's usually talking crap. And like Brett, like you had in your spoiler, like his, we'll play the clip, but like the, <laughs> the thank you or Jesus told me so part. It's, it's, it's one of the right. funniest parts of the movie. It's okay. It's something to live for. Jesus told me so. <laughs> It's alright, it's okay. There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Yeah, like take 50. Like, I, I think one of my favorite parts of the whole Bill, actually Bill was like 50% of the things he said I, I loved and 50% of the things he said I was like, oh. But um, Mark kept trying to be like, this is great, man. You're the producer. How, how happy are you? How proud are you? And he just kept trying to try to like lead him into saying like, Oh man, you're making great movies, man. And then Bill just does not give a crap. He just wants his money back. Yeah. Did anybody know else know that Bill was dead before you watched the movie? No, but I didn't I know who guess. Bill was. <laughs> Same. <laughs> you didn't know who Bill was? What do you mean before I watched the movie? Like, like at the very, very end of the movie, it says that his uncle Bill died right after COVID came out. Did nobody see that? No, yeah, I saw that he died, but I didn't know he died. Yeah, but. I saw that he died, yeah. He said that he died shortly after the movie was released. So, like, the he died, uh, like, November of that year. So, when did the movie come out? Mm, it was, like, summer. Yeah, so, he died shortly after that. And I had read that he died before that, so I, like, because mm. I, I kind of knew I was watching him die, which is extra weird. But, um, all right, so I guess... If there's anything else we want to touch with on Mark, we can get into like some funny Mike stuff. Funny Mike. Anybody want to start with uh, some of their favorite Mikey Mike parts? Well, can I just finish up on Uncle Bill? Absolutely. I feel like we're in an Uncle Bill mode there. I think one of the, if not the most poetic parts of the movie is when, and I, I can't find this quote online. Like no one's including the quote in their like collection, but he's like being pestered by Mark about like, you still have to live for something even though you're old. What else are you going to do? Blah, blah, blah. Like, what do you really want? And he goes off on this tangent and it sounds like half of like an old Irish prayer or something, but also half of something like he made up. 
And he starts talking and babbling at the end, kind of about, like, I just wanted to make everyone happy and safe or something. And he kind of just, like, shrinks into a ball after he said it. It was an amazing human moment to watch. Was it his songs he wrote? (sighs) Does anybody know what I'm talking... Did anybody else catch that? Possibly. He says, like, part of the quote is... May heaven help you. May God help you. May Jesus help you. Oh, yeah. It's it's towards the very end, right? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. That was almost like him saying goodbye, almost. I remember the songs that he wrote, too, and one of them's like about a dead lover or something and like visiting her grave and stuff. Yeah, that made me laugh, though. Yeah, because he's like... I'll visit your grave every day or every once in a while if I can find it. Mm Mm-hmm. Don't worry about pointing it out to me. I'll find it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I thought that was funny. I thought, but yeah, I'm with you, Josh. He he surprised me every once in a while with some of the things he would say. I literally can't find that quote anywhere online. We should definitely play that quote just to uh, get that sweet SEO in case anybody else is searching for it. (laughs) Oh, come again. Come again. Mm. Stay, stay a while. Stick around a while. Stick around as long as you can. Heaven help you. Mm. God help you. Jesus help you. Everybody else help you. Everybody, everybody make happy. Make everybody happy. Be a comedian. (laughs) I have seen, and I know Pappy like died laughing during this as well. I have seen the scene where he puts that guy's head through the the door like (laughs) 10 times. And I, I knew it was coming and I still lost my freaking mind. I was laughing so hard because the guy like didn't want to do that scene. And then he had to do. I'm thinking about him now. Talk about the scene in the kitchen that he definitely just wanted to be home with his family and not to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was he was a sport though. I think one of the like this movie really is brilliant, but one of the greater aspects of the movie is that you have no idea what Coven nor what Northwestern are actually about at all. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so like I think that's a really fun part of this movie. So you kind of jump into the kitchen and you can definitely tell, like, Mark goes in through a lot of mood swings throughout this movie where he's really excited about his project. He's not excited. He's really excited. It's very peak and valley, kind of like a manic depressive attitude that Mark has. And so he's with this actor in this kitchen, and they're kind of uh, choreographing how it's going to go. It's going to be kind of like this intense fight scene. And... the <laughs> Mark is like slowly guiding his head into like the lower cabinet of the sink. And when they're shooting, Mark full on throws his head into this cabinet and it doesn't break. (laughs) He tries again. And he tries again, doesn't break, doesn't break. Then it dawns on Mark. He's like, oh, oh man, I didn't score this, man. I'm sorry, man. (laughs) Like, oh man. And then it does like this really quick cut of this guy like scoring it and it hit. It's, it has like this really quick cut to the actor while he's watching it getting scored, and he just looks pissed off and tired. It's a really funny moment. Which okay, who's the guy who's scoring it too? Because he's like a pretty major 
character. His best friend? He calls him his best friend at some the point. The bad but... influence kid? Bad influence yeah. guy? <laughs> Kenny or something? <laughs> Kenny <laughs> Dune or Dunn or... One of the most surrealistic parts is when they go to pick him up from jail. He's like, yeah, they I got love him. That. <laughs> it's just Ken... so out of the blue. <laughs> Ken Keen. Ken Keen, there Ken you go. Keen. Yeah, it doesn't even sound like a real name. Just like an extra E in the last name. And Mrs. Uh, Mama Borchardt does not like Ken Keen. You find that out at the very like end of the movie. That they're just bad influences on each other. And then they she says they're bad influence on each other. And then he's going to pick Ken up from jail. So it's like, <laughs> it's like oh, I guess she's probably right. And the, the like the the story that Mark told about him getting busted was so ridiculous because he's like they got him they got him and like the the director's like what do you mean he's like well his lights went out and you know he went down to go check the fuse box and next thing you know they got him but he, they never <laughs> say for what either like yeah <laughs> that's the Stevie question that's the Stevie question what do you think it was. <laughs> oh, most certainly drugs. Drugs, yeah. most certainly yeah. drugs. But what's the whole story about? Like they, the cops turned off the circuit breaker. And yeah, <laughs> he's like he goes down to check there. And next thing you know, team? they got him. <laughs> oh man! And I love like Mark's attitude too, because it's so nonchalant. Like this isn't the first time I've gone to pick up Ken in a winter because the cops surrounded his house by turning off the fuse box. He's like, yeah, they got Ken. <laughs> Going to uh, pick him up from jail. He'll be out in about oh four minutes. Oh, there he is. Like, <laughs> and it's just uh, interesting too to see Mike and Ken. Like his two most loyal friends. Um, cause you kind of wonder, like, what's the kind of person who would like align themselves to Mark? Like, who's hitching their wagon to Mark's star? And then you meet Mike and Ken. You're like, yeah, I can yeah. see it. <laughs> that makes sense. I just can't believe how much time everybody put in that movie and they couldn't have gotten paid any money. But then, no. then, then again, it's like, what else are they going to do? They're like a small town. Probably a poor suburb of Milwaukee. I don't know. What else are you going to do? Well, you kind of brought it up earlier, Brett. Like, Mark has kind of like a silver tongue where it's like, yeah. I'm sure this thing started out with a lot of great hope and promise, and he got a lot of people excited about this project. And it probably just came in and out of their lives. And they're like, yeah, screw it. I've already done this much. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like, I, and I think like Mike just was happy just to be around people like like when he's splicing doing that stuff at the end everyone else is probably super frustrated and he's just like oh i gotta change this letter this number from seven nine to eight zeros i mean he's like <laughs> yeah. he's having the time of his life he's, he's with people but at he's the same not time doing drugs it's clear he's not getting that exactly right i have oh, no, no idea what he's doing oh, the so numbers you- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's seven nine nine four no that's Eight nine nine no like <laughs> he's messing up Mark's smart. movie like on the side. <laughs> he can't hang up the flyers right at one point. <laughs> yeah, dude, they put what do they they put oh the flyers gosh. on something and it gets taken away and like well that's what happened to the flyers. <laughs> <laughs> and then Mark gets a whole speech at the end about we only have a few of these left, so I need you to take him to important spots. And he like takes off. And he's like, where are you going? He's like, you got to get the flyers. He's like, oh, yeah, man. Or he's like, I'm going to uh, get – I don't remember what he said. My gosh. He's just made me laugh so many times. Um, <laughs> I guess we can get to that later. 
Um, a part early in the film that I thought was pretty funny was Mark when they still trying to do the Northwestern thing and all the, the actors are doing their scenes and he's like, man, they're, he's like, they're making a mockery of my words, man. <laughs> like, this whole thing is turning out to be a theatrical mockery. You understand that, Mike? No. What about when he shows them how to act and he's no, just that's my, that's Leo I'm, I'm, screaming I'm at to. them? He's so terrible. <laughs> he's like, you, oh my gosh. Yeah. He's Leonardo DiCaprioing, right, guys? Oh, he's the best. <laughs> oh, most certainly. They're making a mockery out of my words, man. This whole thing is turning into a theatrical mockery. Do you understand that, Mike? No. <laughs> well, you will. I'm going to go in there flying, man, and read this I fucker like it's supposed to be read, because I've had it. You, you stupid you fucking bitch! It's 186 fucking minutes phone call at goddamn prime time! I paid the fucking bill! And, like... I didn't realize it until like another 15 minutes after it happened. But like this movie starts off moving really fast where it's like production teams mm-hmm. and actors. And one of the guys makes a comment where he goes, how's the funding going, Mark? He goes, is that all settled? And Mark goes, yeah, all taken care of. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it, like, like, that's like the crux of this whole movie is to get funding for the movie. He said he already had it for. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me, I think the happiest Mark is the entire movie is when he gets that approved for a a credit card. (laughs) Oh, yeah. For someone like him, I think it's funny that he gets a letter from the IRS. He's like, oh, it's only $81. And like three minutes later, it's been like a year. He's like, I owe $12,000 to the IRS. I was like, what happened in between that year? (laughs) Probably didn't have that. was not a MasterCard, man. Oh, he owes his dad 10000 like, His dad was a weird character because early on, he's super supportive. He's like, oh, he'll make the money back. And then like five minutes later, they're like, yeah, dad wasn't really around very much. He's not around very much now. It, like, it really kind of threw me off because he seemed super supportive and he seemed like they were really close. But then like both the brothers and Mark are like, yeah, he doesn't come around very much. Mm-hmm. So I, th- I don't know if he didn't live around there or – Unless it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, Super he's Bowl all plus. supportive in front of the camera, but in the actual true. life, that's kind of what I thought of. Or he was trying to—I thought he was maybe trying to make up for being a crappy dad. Also, he's giving him ten thousand dollars, so I don't blame him for not being very supportive at the end. But, but I Did don't know. Anyone else think that? Like, I mean, Mark is like definitely a human being. He's not like he's playing a character or anything, but. Like, I felt myself getting, like, mad at Mark at the Super Bowl. Anybody else? Like, when he was watching the Super Oof. Bowl with, like, Mike and his mom? Yeah, towards the end, he's he's a huge dick. I mean, he's he goes, being mean to everybody. He goes so low on his mom. How so, Josh? He says, like, he basically says, like, I'll never be like you just hovering yeah. around the kitchen. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. Brutal. Again, though, like, when he's drunk, he's, like, he was a dick. I mean, he... It, I thought he was pretty happy-go-lucky and, and also, somewhat... also, like, yeah. I was mad at him for Mike's sake, too, for the fact that it's like, Mike can't drink. Like, yeah. Mike needs to stay sober for the rest of his life to even function. Yeah. And here's Mark, like, getting wasted, like, trying to drag him to a bar, like, being an ass in front of him. You can definitely tell that Mike was super uncomfortable at that situation. Well, it's, you can tell that, like, Mark has this need to, like... Like the Leahy celebratory drinks, of course. You know what I mean? Like he, during Thanksgiving, his mom is in the same town, drops off a turkey, but then goes to have a Thanksgiving with his two other brothers while he gets drunk with his uncle. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that says a lot about the dynamic. I feel like he's just always 
taken it too far. And he's never with his any his his brothers at any point in the movie either. He so. did have that line where there's like he's like, you know, my mom and my brother are having dinner together, probably having a sterile meal, having oh, right. a sterile conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and he's like he's really making his mom and dad mad at the Super Bowl because he keeps cussing, and they it's so obvious that they don't like it, and they tell him to stop it, and then he like cusses like way worse than he did before. So, but to be fair, I mean the Packers won the Super Bowl, so you know he was pretty pumped. Kind of along those lines, and this didn't strike me at all during the watch, but on thinking about it later, do you think he was? playing a character of himself like after a while like with this doc crew around or do you think this is i think it's him man i think it's him i think it's him well it's always kind of a thought about documentaries Mm -hmm. isn't it josh true it's true about people kind of like upstaging themselves when they're on camera yeah and i think what's beautiful about this movie is that it feels like that's not happening like the doc crew is there for so many years and this is so like low budget and crappy like Honestly, the production of the doc is probably not too different from like the production of like freaking no- Northwestern or Coven. Like it could have easily gone, <laughs> it could have easily gone to the wayside or been like a passion project that never worked out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I do like how the, they kind of splice the movie together too. Cause you can definitely tell that like, because it was shot throughout so many years, they were careful where where they put marked word Mark's words over himself, where he's like, you know, man, I'm never going to work those crummy jobs of like cleaning or being in office forty hours a week. And he's talking over himself, shoveling snow <laughs> yeah. and like being like a groundskeeper at a cemetery and vacuuming, <laughs> delivering like, newspapers, delivering newspapers. I like how they kind of like made like his words fall back on himself. Yeah. It's kind of because he hasn't pursued anything else besides the filmmaking. He has to basically take like the lowest cast job there is, <laughs> mm-hmm. but he does it. And it seems like the guy likes him and wants him to stick around. Well, do you remember when he tells that like elaborate story of how one day Bathroom. he got called down to the funeral home? Yeah. And like, he just like <laughs> proceeds to describe how someone had shit. All I over love that story. <laughs> all over the, the bathroom. He's like, there I am, man. 30 years 30 old. Years thinking, old. I got to clean up this shit right now. I'm about to make the next American, great American movie or something. <laughs> <laughs> I believe it was yesterday. I was called to the bathroom at the cemetery to take care of something. I walked in the bathroom. And in the middle toilet right there, somebody didn't shit in the toilet. Somebody shat on the toilet. They shat on the walls. They shat on the floor. I had to clean it up, man. But before that, for about 10 to 15 seconds, man, I just stared at somebody's shit, man. To be totally honest with you, man, it was a really, really profound moment. So I was thinking, I'm 30 years old, and in about 10 seconds, I got to start cleaning up somebody's shit, man. Which, okay, Brett, I want to actually kind of bring this up as a discussion and get your thoughts on it as a, as a proud patriot. Uh... The theme of like the American dream comes up a lot. I guess. I what did you think about that as an aspect of the film, like trying to make it? Uh, I mean, like, what? Like, you talking about like the words he uses, or like the semantics he's talking about it, or? Just I mean, the want- movie's called American Movie. You know what I mean? Like, it's Tommy Wiseau, real American movie. Like, I don't know. <laughs> what do you think about That's not, he didn't name it that. 
No, no, no. But the documentary, I think it's like based on his like he's always talking about the American dream and like. I think he even brought up like how his grandpa like came to the United States with very little money mm-hmm. and like made something of himself, kind of stuff like that. At one point, he goes to like a neighborhood just full of big houses just to like visualize it. Or yeah, something. and then it, but he still like makes fun of the house. He's like, I want to be living here. Well, not in that house. That's way too. What do you say? It's way too corny or something like that. Yeah. I'd be way flatter. flatter. Yeah. <laughs> like, first of all, I don't know if I'd call myself like a true patriot and not like that right. But, um, I don't know. I mean, the poor person growing up wanting to, I mean, I think there's a lot of poor people that want the American dream, just a big house, great family, money. I mean, even Mike, who's stupid, I mean, he wanted money. He wanted to be a famous producer because he wanted, what do you say? Money, girls, and power? Money, mm-hmm. sex, power. Money, sex, power, yeah. <laughs> so even he realizes that that's what people strive for, even if he never really thought about it. It's just ingrained, and maybe it's maybe it's the North. I don't know. I don't – we're like I think it's somewhat also, Northern, but – Two, I think also the movie business sells that more than anything about kind of the American for dream sure. of like mm-hmm. – They sell stardom more than any other industry – and also, they don't sell just stardom, but like happenstance stardom, where this person was discovered here. Yeah. Or, I mean, this person was living mm-hmm. on a couch and made it, and now they're super famous. Like, Justin I think, Bieber singing on YouTube, and yeah, all of a sudden think, he's worth $300 million, you know? I wouldn't say Mark is a product of that, but I think he himself bought into that at a very young age. Oh, yeah. And I think it really had a profound effect on his life. Well, there's got to be a huge part of the population that's like him in their own ways. And- oh, yeah. For every million of them, there's like one, you know, Spielberg. There's one <sighs> Ryan Johnson. And I guess, hey now. I guess that's why, like, we try at spoilers to hold these people up to high standard when they make movies. Cause there's a lot of people out there trying to make movies. Man, Josh, yeah. you were going to mm-hmm. love Ryan Johnson's new movie. I can't believe you're hating him so much. Knives out. Hey, Brick Knives, two? Yeah. that was Knives an out. olive branch. I just reached out to Ryan Johnson with. So. Well, I you're gonna love his new well. movie. You're gonna love his next movie. So we'll we'll talk about that some other time. But, um, but it, just to con- continue on that note, like I just listened to WTF Pod with Stephen Colbert, and like when he was 29 or 30, he was like having panic attacks in the back room when he was like scrounging around at Second City in Chicago, like barely making it, and like, like what happens to Colbert or this Mark guy? if they don't make it. And I think that's what's like so scary and sad about this movie. And I think Mark kind of did make it because this movie made it. Yeah. Right. He's been in like 40 roles or something. Yeah, like He's got that. a decent IMDB page. I mean, they did a whole, he played himself on family guy. That's kind of, really? that's kind of, yeah. They, they, they like show scenes from the movie. Like it's, I mean, that's kind of, to me, that's like making it. That was awful. That was just awful. What do you think, Mark? I don't know, man. We didn't get the shots we need. Man, what do you think, Mike? I mean, if you saw action going on in front of you, would you know instinctively to center it in front of you? I don't know. Could someone take my soda out of the icebox, please, so it doesn't freeze? But it's like the the Tommy Wiseau thing, too, right? Where he he thought he was making a great movie, but the reason he was propelled into that guy was like, pseudo stardom is because like people were laughing at him i think at some level that has to like hurt you know what i mean because because the way the film's edited the way the story's laid out i don't think it's exaggerated in any way but it's definitely you're laughing at the characters do you think the film is mean-spirited at all pappy yes 
but it doesn't bother me either. You know what I mean? Like it's not, there's a lot of ways to tell the story. There, there's some like choices in editing, I think that are, and I'm trying to think of one offhand, but like there are some choices in editing that I think make the characters look a little silly, uh, or, or show them how they truly are, which is, you know, not always in the best light, which it, you know, it's just the fact that this movie exists, right? I don't know. Yeah. You like, know what's a big example of that? Just thematically is that when he has his premiere and like he's kind of popular, someone asks for his autograph, like that completely blindsides you because there's no hint that people actually like him or, or like taking him mm-hmm. seriously. I got kind of pumped, Josh, when you see that line outside of the theater. No, it's, you? it's great. But I, I think just part of like the movie being mean spirited, like they could have sprinkled in his talent or something in it a little more. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they definitely like make it seem like here's this lo- loser with, you know, delusions of grandeur about making this great movie. And they could have just, I mean, I feel like they really piled on Mark and I'm kind of with you, Josh, they could have shown like other people, like at least mention him in a flattering light or him mm-hmm. doing yeah. something in a flattering light. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you guys, it, I mean, like it seemed like he knew what he was doing. Did he not? I don't that- know about the technical aspects of film. You have to ask Josh. Josh. Josh, did he seem like he knew what he was doing? I think clearly, like, we see some bits of his end product of Coven, or Coven at the end. <laughs> and, like, clearly there's, like, some cl- cluckiness to it, clunkiness to it. But, like, yeah, he he knows how to work cameras. For he's a high like, school dropout, he's, I mean, he's trying pretty good. to direct people. His acting as shown on screen is like half horrible, half like, okay, I see where he's going with this. Yeah. <laughs> and further, like seeing him doing that linear editing, like he had to have learned that. And that's not an easy, simple machine. Yeah. I think it's just more of like from a people management perspective and kind of like we touched on, like maybe some bipolar, at least the alcoholism is like what really mm. bothers him. Cause like you see at the beginning, he has like a decent crew with him. And there's that one guy who's got like all of the scenes like color coded and laid out in a binder. And he just like fucking disappears. And like everyone kind of disappears <laughs> until it's just, just him in a car being all depressed, <laughs> finishing his movie by himself. Like, Ooh, there's that radio interview, right? Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. What was that? Was it radio or newspaper or what? I think it was radio. What are some of the influences that help shape the Mark Borchardt form? Uh, format or the Mark Portrait style. Um, when I was growing up and drinking, the people that I was around with, they were the the, the Americans who who were still fighting the West with a bottle of vodka in their hand. Man, they were still there was still territory out there, you know, in the mind or in around the block or something like that. I expand on that a little. I mean, this this sort of ter- uh, okay. Listen, man, they didn't. There was no such thing about college or religion or anything. There was drinking. Drinking, 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 and everything would revolve around that. The money, the time spent, everything, and it was it was America at that point. One of my favorite characters, though, we haven't talked about the uh, the actor who Carson, I was waiting. yeah, Coven and Coven. God, that guy is fucking hilarious, <laughs> dude. When he's standing there with the scarf on, the guy's like, I "Oh, dude, what are you wearing?" It. He's like, "I will lose the scarf." <laughs> he he looks at. Him. I forget what his name. He just looks at him. Tom he's like, Schimmel, you- I think. <laughs> Tom. What are you doing? He kind of talks um, like Orson Welles, and like it's yeah. just- <laughs> he looks Whenever- like him too a little bit. He reminded me of the chef from um, Los Enchiladas. Oh no, <laughs> Dude, that's a great reference. But the beautiful thing is, is that 
that guy is just living <laughs> in Wisconsin great. for real, <laughs> just doing any <laughs> acting he can get his hands on. That's that's more beautiful, I think, than anything Mark's doing. I want I want a documentary about that guy. Oh my gosh! Anytime the movie is getting like too intense, it seems like they just cut to him like screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's one of the things that I wanted to mention. I think one of the most cathartic, and I use that word hey, because now. I use it here yes. too. But one of the most cathartic scenes is where Mike freaking kills it on the ADR with his scream. Yeah. I was laughing so hard. <laughs> 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 Dude, that's the best scream ever. And like, all the other screams were pretty good too. And then he gets in there and just kills everybody. <laughs> oh my gosh. Whew, man, that's so funny. That's probably the hardest I laughed. That and the, the door thing. What's Which that? door thing? Oh, he's slamming him through the cabinet. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. I also love that scene where I can't remember if it was for cover for Northwestern, but they're at the junkyard, which seems like a lot to shoot for this movie. And Mike is on top of this car with a bat, and Mark explicitly tells him, I don't have a lot of film left, man. You got to make it good. One swing, one swing only. And they go through like 15 to 20 takes. And it's like, Josh, like you said, when Mark goes, is that cathartic for you, Mike? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. You know know what cathartic means, means, Mike? No. No. (laughs) It's like I'm swinging it as hard as I can, and I feel like I'm not even hitting it hard. Yeah, like – Oh, oh, man. What a great cast of characters. Like, just to touch on something we were talking about earlier, and then we should just do some mic stuff and then probably wrap it up. Like, uh, when I look at some of the reviews on uh, IMDb, like the bottom one that they show, it's a positive review, but it says it, it's never entirely clear whether Borchardt is also an object of ridicule for documentarian Chris Smith. But, like, if you look at some of the um, – the reviews, like the five star reviews on Letterboxd, I, I feel like it's almost more. I, I, again, I, I'm guessing you guys will disagree, but this first one says, like, this movie is often cited as an example of a documentary that exploits a subject. But if you watch this and can only laugh at Mark Borchardt, that's on you. I'd hate to live in a world where his story isn't told. And another one says, I guess some people think this is exploitative, but it and the people in it are so inspiring to me. I love Mark Borchardt's obsession with film. How he talks excitedly about shooting on 16 millimeter black and white, blah, blah, blah. All this this is stuff. how so, he ropes people in. This is how cults are created. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or or Cobins. <laughs> I'm sorry, Josh. That's hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to touch on that. But yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. It, I just pictured Mark as a cult leader and I couldn't stop laughing. <laughs> Helter Skelter, man. It's here. Yeah. <laughs> Right to your point, I mean, it is mean-spirited, but, like, it's not like he didn't agree to do it, you know what I mean? And his whole career is to put himself in the public light. I think it's just kind of hard to watch because you know, like, what happens, you know what I mean? You know that American movies are way more popular than Coven ever yeah, will be. Yeah, that actually made me feel bad, like, even before I watched it, I was, but then I found out that he actually had a decent run, and he's still doing stuff. He's got, if you look at IMDb, he's got seven upcoming projects. You guys so, should watch his um his YouTube video of him and Mike doing a hour and a half commentary on the original Night of the Living Dead. That sounds awesome. It's awesome. It's those two sitting on a couch, and Mike is still Mike, and Mark is still Mark. Like, I'm definitely it's gonna have to watch that. Unbelievable. All right, so let's get into oh, let's get into some uh, Mike stuff. I, I'll go ahead, Josh. I was just gonna say, like Chris Smith gave what four years of his own life. That's true. On this yeah. film, like 
I think he owes it to himself and everyone to just make the best movie possible. And I think that's pretty much what he did. It It is exploitive, though. I mean, he could have cut it in a way where it looked like, mm-hmm. you know, Mark was like a starving artist. That, you think you we'd know, know about the movie then? Like, <sighs> no. But, I don't I mean, know. There's some part of him that has to know. I mean, they really know. hammered Mark into the ground, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's some part of <laughs> like, him that has to know that any success that he has since is partly because he was ridiculed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. or humiliated. Like that. That even if <laughs> even if he can like put everything in a positive light, well, none of this would have happened. There's still got that's still got to hurt on some level. I would imagine. Yeah, he's so philosophical, though. I feel like he'd be able to get past it, like Beach Bum. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Just chasing the moon, bro. Let's <laughs> talk about Mike for a little bit, and then I mean, we've been talking about it a little bit, but we haven't really dived into it. Like, this, anybody want to like say some of their favorite parts about him? I love when he's talking about. He's like, I love playing lottery, man. Because even if you you can win or you can lose, but with drugs and alcohol, especially drugs, you always lose, man. <laughs> he looks right at the camera and gives a big smile. Like <laughs> <laughs> There were two like really heartwarming moments. I mean, one was actually kind of sad for me. One of the more parts I laughed hard and just felt really kind of sorry for Mike is when he's like, you know, I just used to be in my basement drinking, you know, doing drugs by myself. And then Mark came along and I had another person to drink with. Yeah. I wasn't alone. That's kind of why they, yeah. It was kind of sad. Then the other part was that we mentioned earlier, I think he won 200 at the lottery. Yeah. And he's like, I gave like 100 to my mom and then I put like, uh, you know, 75 of it away and I have like $25 left and I just think they're going to use it if I give it to him. So I, I kind of don't really want to tell him. Like, well, that, that was the one where he <laughs> said, I have $25 in my wallet. So what do we want to spend it on? And that's when Mark goes, let's go buy some beers. Five yeah. pictures of beer. Mike's like, Dude, I, I yeah. can't drink. Yeah. But the other one that was, was like, yeah, I want 50 watch. bucks. I don't want, it was, I, I actually, that's one of the hardest parts was during the Super Bowl when Mark like busts out and leaves. And then they show like Mike just sitting there who was like just happy a few seconds ago. And he's just sitting there. He's sitting there with his friend's mom. And, you know, I, it's, I feel like it's probably pretty hard to make Mike mad. I don't even know if he, I mean, does he get mad at all? Except for when Mark's so. like, you know, you just ripped that song from Iron Maiden. The <laughs> way that they are like sitting in that room at that point is like Awkward. perfect. Perfect for storytelling because like Mike is closer to the camera. So every time he's on screen, he's just like uncomfortably close and you can't like ignore the fact he's sitting there. And like the <laughs> mom and the son are like having this argument. And like this cold air is just blown into the house. Yeah, she's like, door. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, that's when he goes low on his mom, and it's almost like, it's pretty sad. Who was he swearing at when he was screaming? The world. Yeah. He's like, I'm not going to work 40 hours a week. Brett Favre. I think it's the world. Yeah. No, no, Brett Favre. No. And He's specifically yelling at him. He's happy with him. Well, to your point, Brett, too, like, you're like, well, to to his credit, it was the Packers winning the Super Bowl, and he's like, celebrating but it's like read the room no one else is drinking at all like his dad's in the next room because he doesn't want to be in there with his drunkard son like <laughs> that's alcoholism a 12 though. pack of pbrs in the freezer yeah which are gone and he wants to go to some bar <laughs> wants to go to paul mitchell's i i think my favorite part of mike is when he's i, I alluded to it earlier when he's talking about the story where he took 
air quotes acid and he has this really crazy <laughs> yeah. trip and he ends up in the hospital. He doesn't know where he is. And he's like, his first thought is, I got to try to get that acid out of my pocket so I can trip in the hospital. <laughs> <laughs> and, but he's like, it turns out it was just PCP with a little bit of, what did he say he put in it? He called it a downer. He a goes, is this a little, is it PCP? A little bit of downer. A little bit of downer. Well, comes to that that downer actually saved my life and told my mom i might not wake up but that downer did the trick then he goes i have a lot of other cool stories like that if you want me to tell you about them <laughs> that's so scary oh my gosh my mom came in and had that bag of acid and she just flushed it down the toilet so i guess i can't trip in the hospital Man, when he had that I, quote about yeah. like immediately going to his pocket so he could trip more it totally just sprung in my mind the Doc Ellis no no on acid <laughs> whole like animation. Have you guys seen that? Which, oh yeah. yes. Doc Ellis threw a no hitter while tripping, and he has oh, this yeah. amazing animated story about it. Um, That's pretty awesome. Um, anybody else have anything? Any? I got a mic thing. thing. I got a mic yeah, thought. So. They use Mike's guitar playing for the soundtrack of this movie quite it. a bit, which is pretty yep. cool. Um, but I think like his story is almost like a microcosm of like Mark's story. Like he's clearly always played the guitar, probably with hopes of like being discovered as a rock star. He has like that haircut, does a lot of drugs, like a rock and roller, but they're both they're both like American dream dark side sort of think about it yeah mm-hmm. i almost feel like mike had probably given up on that and then when this whole thing came back again he thought maybe it was like a second chance but he, he still plays, practicing all the time yeah and he plays guitar like for the camera and kind of like cams it up and stuff it's pretty mm-hmm. great for sure anybody else have anything i just think i mean I I don't know all of like Mike's or Mark's past, but like watching Mike be his happy self made me mad at Mark sometimes because it's like you know this dude has struggled with alcohol and drugs throughout most of his life, and you're doing these things in front of him. You know what I mean? It just kind of made me like just a little more angry at Mark. I would say. Yeah, but again, I don't. I don't. I don't think he's under control, in control of himself either. So, yeah, I don't think he had much of a choice. Um, Mike seemed pretty chill with it. Yeah, because he, yeah, he just, he's really into not doing anything. He's not doing drugs. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, was he not actually still like smoking weed at least? Kind of like the way he was winky winky (sighs) was like, possibly. You think he was a little glassy eyed? I th- I swore I saw him just like breathing out smoke randomly one time. <laughs> I did like the scene where his mom's shooting, and he's you know he's really uh, self conscious about like wasting tape, and he actually does a scene and he's like, "Are we? Are we? What does he say? Are we in square? What does he say? In frame? In frame?" And she's like. Uh, and he's obvious that she has no idea what he's talking about, and he just gets like, "Oh, I guess we're still wasting frame." Like, didn't I don't know. I mean, again, he's kind of being a dick, but he's trying to, he's trying to get it done, you know. So I don't know. His his mom was pretty funny. Like, I haven't even thought about Bill in like forty five minutes, but I guess that's probably a good thing. But it all worked out in the end for just about everybody. I guess 
Bill left him $50,000 to finish a movie that he never finished. I love that part. <laughs> Just reading those words on screen that he like believed in him and left him 50k is pretty cool. I was trying to think in Brigsby Bear there's a scene where Kyle Mooney goes too far, right? And pisses everybody off with like the fire one of the stunts. Yeah, when he lights off the bomb. Yeah, and there's definitely like a bunch of that in the disaster artist too. And then, like Ed Wood has a scene like that where I think he isolates people. It's just funny that like all of those like fictional movies about making movies have that that's that beat of the story and then this documentary like absolutely has that. Like it's like a real thing. That, like when you make movies with your friends, the creative force is gonna get frustrated with everybody else and just take it too far. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Brett. Yeah. Before we kick it to yes or no's, I uh while we were talking I I actually wrote down myself the, everything that um, Uncle Bill says right before they say that he died, like his goodbye oh, scene. Nice. Do you mind if I read that? No, I don't mind at all. Okay. Stay. Stay a while. Stick around a while. Stick around as long as you can. Heaven help you. God help you. Jesus help you. Everyone else help you. Everybody. Everybody make happy. Make everybody happy. Be a comedian. <laughs> wow. That's sweet. Yeah. It's like a commencement it speech. It's better than anything Moondog ever said. <laughs> Easy now. <laughs> Josh, can you read that in Uncle Bill's voice? <laughs> we can totally just edit me out and just have that clip there. <laughs> Jesus told me so. <laughs> I love the part where it's like 30 takes. Bill is freezing his ass off in this car, trying to read this nonsensical gibberish, like for this line. And eventually, Bill looks at uh, looks at Martin, goes, "I'm done. I'm, I'm done." And Mark's like, "No, no, no, just one more." He's like, "No, no, I, I'm done. I'm going inside." <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, gotta be the got funniest it. scene. So it's the first line of the film, man. It's gotta be on the money here. Roll down the window, Bill. It's alright. Uh Okay, caught. Alright, man. Shit. It's you gotta give it some passion too, man. And you gotta it's alright. It's okay. There's something to live for. Oh. Jesus told me so. <laughs> It's all right. Uh, there's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Okay, great, Bill. But we gotta, we have to have fluidity in there. All right. So I, that was uh, American movie. So I guess we'll go with from. I guess we'll just go ahead and kick it to Pat real quick. Oh, okay. For yes or no. This is a yes. Uh, it's, it is mean-spirited, and another Brett movie, it's not gonna get a no. Maybe. Yeah, I don't think so. Josh gonna give it a no. We'll see. But, you know, it's, it's mean-spirited in the sense that it exists, you know what I mean? Like, you can make a movie about literally anything your imagination can come up with, and to choose to make a documentary about some lower-middle-class people in Wisconsin, and it is inherently a mean-spirited choice, but... 
the product that comes out of that is fucking hilarious. I laughed so hard I cried at some points. I think the <laughs> film wants you to feel the way it made me feel. Um, and so in that sense, it's a complete success. So it's a hard yes. It's hard to find stuff about this, actually. Um, yeah. Because the title, especially American movie, like a bunch yeah. of stuff comes up, obviously. But if you haven't seen this and for some reason you're still listening to this podcast, definitely check it out. I watched it on Vudu for like two bucks or something. So yes for me. Oh, it's on Voodoo? Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Stevie? Um, I will give this a hard yes. Uh, it's definitely mean-spirited sometimes, especially towards its subjects, but um, overall, it's a pretty inspiring story, especially at the end. Like, I felt myself like nervous for a mark when he's walking into his own premiere, just praying that this line around the block is going to like his movie that I'm sure if we watch it today, I mean, Brett, have you watched Coven? I started, I couldn't find a, I only found like a negative version of it on YouTube. Okay, Plus I'd love like, to pay him for it, you know? Yeah, I would, like 14.95, man. Well, Stevie, <laughs> pay it. not just that they like it, but that it'll even play. <laughs> yeah, like oh. just little things like that and like the race to the finish at the end. Like it got, I, was, I felt myself like rooting. Oh yeah. And like championing like for this you know lovable bunch of losers that was Mike and Mark and Ken and his mom like everyone involved I just felt myself rooting for him so definite hard yes it's funny it's bittersweet it's sad great movie American movie too hard thumbs up sweet sweet Josh hey so I watched half of this movie last night <laughs> and the rest of it today and like I was really down and sad, out yeah. after seeing the first half and like i told you guys i hate this movie so far and you guys alluded to <laughs> that it didn't get any better but i will say the second half of the movie they don't really interview his brothers anymore they have the premiere of the film which like is great they have all the scream <laughs> stuff and all those audio takes that are hilarious and they also have like the acid trip story um <laughs> like I think it does end on a great note. And I think like against what Pappy's saying, like, yeah, they show people's flaws, but you are rooting for these people in the end. And I don't think you would as much if it wasn't so truthful. Um, so yeah, I, it went from like a no to a super hard. Yes. And like, cool. that's a good reason to like always finish a movie and not just give up. Um, yep. Never and, give up. And just further, Pappy, against your point, like this director wasn't huge either. His first movie he made was American Job, which yep. by all accounts is probably a similar, just mm -hmm. sad mis Midwestern story. So like he's like trying to find his own niche and like this is a really interesting story, don't you think? It's like worthy of telling. I mean, you, you, I, I do. you say like mean spirit is and you're saying that I'm, I think it's bad. I don't think it's bad but it is mean. You know what I mean? Like a roast is like mean spirited, but it doesn't mean it's bad. Like I don't associate that with being something that's like yicky or gross, but I, I do think that if you make a, you can make a movie about anything to make a movie that is hourly comedic about like an alcoholic who's not a good dad. Uh, and to try to derive comedy out of that is inherently a little bit mean spirited. I, I think someone said it earlier. Well, like, I was thinking, well, yes, you know, it's not his fault. He just recorded what was going on. But I think one of you two, either Stevie or Pappy, said something like, 
they edited it that way on purpose. Like they could have edited it a different way. So I do see it. Like you know, he's just telling a story. He's just they're he's just videotaping them. But like you're right, the the editing might have been a little mean spirited. How they ordered things and probably things they cut yeah. and didn't cut. So I, I mean, I get it. But I thought I think it needed to be told. So well, yeah, just to clarify my point too, I also don't think it was like I wouldn't change anything necessarily in the editing. Like I really think that like Uncle Bill like shit himself or pissed herself himself or something at Thanksgiving. That's why they gave him the bath. Like and he doesn't show oh, that. Yeah. And I think that would you know that would be if he did show something like that, that would have been like over the line. I think that he yeah. is fairly respectful in, in a lot of senses too. And that's pretty keen of you to pick up on that. I wonder if we had him on the line right now calling into spoilers. If he would admit there's probably a lot of things like that on the cutting room floor. Mm-hmm. I would imagine so. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll, I'll finish up. Um, this is definitely a hard yes for me, too. Um, my wife fell asleep about three-fourths through and said it was super boring. So I don't know. <laughs> but um, Does she I, even like movies? Like, what's her does deal? Does she like movies? If you don't like Vision Quest, can you say you like movies? <laughs> she liked uh, Beach Bum. Okay, that's All cool. Right. All I like right. how the yeah, spirit of Britney is like on this pod. Yeah, she doesn't really, she doesn't really listen anymore anyway. So, um, <laughs> so this is definitely a hard. Yes, I I'm with Pap. Like I I said I was like two thirds the movie, and I saw Pap's review, and I told him I don't think it could have been more perfect. Like sometimes I was laughing so hard I couldn't stand it, and then the other half, it's just it's kind of it gives you kind of some pity for him and. Uh, it just—I I thought it was really good. I think I agree with the letterbox review. I think it's a story that needed to be told. Um, I don't. I, Jimmy Fallon never called it a comedy. He just said it's the top five funniest movies it, he, he ever seen. So, and he—he he couldn't even stop laughing. He couldn't even tell a story about the guy's head going through the cupboard because he was laughing so hard. <laughs> Him and Horatio Sands went. I'm, he didn't say it, but I'm guessing they were probably stoned at like a midnight showing, and they just died. They were just going crazy. So. It's definitely a hard yes. I'm really glad that you guys. Uh, I at love least that enjoyed Jimmy it, Fallon so. can sit atop his like broadcast career and just laugh at this like failure. What a dick! <laughs> that dude would laugh at Schindler's List, though. I mean, <laughs> Jimmy Fallon would laugh at anything. First anything of all, I think it was like I think it was like 99 or 2000. He wasn't exactly super famous at that point. <laughs> But he's pretty famous. All right, so um, I don't know if we're like keep going or not, but I I put the paper up there. I uh, put the file up there for you guys to look at. Um, uh, is it in Drive? Yeah. Why don't you guys load that up while I go pee? And once you print that out on your printers, and if you don't have it, I'll fax it to you. Please. All right. So we'll what meet back up here in like thirty seconds. Uh, a minute. All right. All right. You guys here? Yep. All right. So, does everyone have the file? CC. Okay. So this this could go quickly. Um, first of all, the order is going to be Mikey, Stevie, Pappy, Josh. That's what Pappy told me. So um, now Stevie, I believe, has the advantage. Really? If you're going right, I thought Josh hosted last. Should be Josh, me, Stevie. Yeah. Yeah. Wait. Oh, Josh has a oh, so he's a he's the longest. Josh is the most recent. Then... Oh, so Stevie has the advantage, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so this is 
a list of, I don't know, 30 documentaries. There were actually three more. They were a little unsavory. So I took them off because it just was going to be a joke that we didn't want to tell. It's a typical spoilers thing. So I took those off. Okay, so it's going to be, I think we're just going to do it. One miss and you're out. So I think, Stevie, you have the biggest advantage by going first. You are going to pick something on the right column that is a synopsis of one of these documentaries. And you are going to match it up with one on the left. Now, half of these are super easy. It's probably so. I would I implore you to to knock all the easiest ones out of the way because if you miss one, you're out. Okay, so do I have to go until I miss, or I no, go one? Someone yeah, else one goes? at a time. It's, that's why you want to get the easy Is ones there a out. Shot I, clock. Uh, we'll talk shot clock when it gets a little harder. Okay. Okay. All right. Okay, I'll go with the MPAA's rating system, and this film is not yet rated. I gotta get my answer sheet out. I'm pretty sure that's correct, though. But uh, this film is not rated. Yes, that is correct. So one point for Stevie. Uh, so that's Pappy. Is that Pappy's up? Hearts of Darkness, a filmmaker's <laughs> apocalypse with the making of Apocalypse Now. <laughs> yeah, I, I. You're going to get that one anyway, and then you mentioned it, but I was like, it's not a big deal because I knew you were going to get it. All right. So, Josh, again, knock the easy ones out because it's going to get real hard eventually. I'll do Bob Dylan's 1965 tour of England. Hoop stream. What? What are you doing? You're joking, right? Did Josh die? Stay. Stay a while. <laughs> what is going on? Are, are you having a stroke? <laughs> are you on PCP? What's happening? I don't know uh, what's happening. Uh, Alright, I'll go for real. Yeah, um, thank you. Jeez. Uh, oh. The effect of eating McDonald's supersize me. Okay, there we go. Jeez, he's having fun already, guys. Um, Steve, you're okay. I will go with um, Philippe Petit's high-wire routine performed between the World Trade Center's Twin Towers. Never forget. Uh, Man on Wire. Yep, nice. I'll go with two African-American high school students who dream of becoming professional basketball players with hoop dreams. Nice. Josh? Hold on a second. You have some time, just don't like take like a minute. I think you have a couple on here twice. It's kind of confusing. Wait, do I really? Yeah, like a lion tamer, a topier gardener. It's on there twice. Oh crap! It is. Uh, the legacy of one of the the porn stars or whatever. Infamous porn stars. Uh. Man, this is really tough. This film is not yet. No, that's not that. Gosh dang it. Ins- <laughs> Inside Deep Throat would be a good one name for that. Is that your guess? Uh, no, I know that's not it. Gosh dang it. 
Man, they I know so many of these. Like, it just takes a while to match them up, Brad. This list is long as hell. I'm not, I'm not giving you crap. I'm mad at myself for doubling up. I don't think one of the taglines is on here. That's probably true if I doubled up. Because... <laughs> if you find it, you win automatically. It's bothering me because I can't find it. Yeah, the aristocrats, I can't find what I feel like that should be. I'll just say the aristocrats, the French resistance and collaboration. I'll no, guess that. The, no, that's incorrect. The aristocrats okay. is on there, by the way. All right. Oh, Josh I see out. it now, but yeah. <laughs> All right, Josh. All right, Stevie. Then then there were two. Mm-hmm. It's really bothering me. Well, we'll look. We'll figure it out afterwards. But I need this one, Brett. <laughs> so it's really bothering me. Oh, you need it. <laughs> Okay. Um, go fuck yourself. Not letting it happen, Pap. Uh, let's see here. Yeah, I see a lot of gettable ones here, guys. I understand that. You think you have the lion tamer on here twice, Brett? That's what. That's what Josh said. Okay. Just cast. No, just guess. No, no, no. I'm not gonna do no guessing here. None. It's a long list. Give me a second. Uh, let's see here. For the, the Holocaust. I can't find it. Um, no, it's not it. What are you looking for? The, which one? There it is. Okay. Randall Adams, who served hey. time in prison yes. for a murder he didn't commit. The thin blue line. There we go. We finally found it. God. Okay. Uh, the telling of a very, very dirty joke with the... Uh, aristocrats. Yep. Um, I'm probably gonna lose this one anyway, so I'll give us a shot. Um, I'll say the 1974 heavyweight championship bout in Zaire between Foreman and Muhammad Ali. Um, let's see here. What would this say? Definitely not crumb. Uh, Oh, no, I'm not one day of Sunday. I'm not a I don't think that's it. I don't think that's it. Why don't you pick one that you have a better guess at? Well, you gotta go through all the options, Brett. Um, I'm gonna say when we were kings. That is correct. What? Huzzah! Okay, I'm going to go Inside Deep Throat, the legacy of one of porn's most infamous movies ever made. Should have kept going with it, Josh. Yep. You were right. That's the name of the movie, (laughs) Deep Throat. Unless you thought it was about Watergate. Is nobody old enough to remember Watergate? Okay, who's up? Stevie? Am I up? Um... What ones have they actually done? That's why I said uh, you should print it out on paper like I did. You, okay, you could have told us today at work, bro. I didn't want you to um, study. Let's see. Uh, imp- Late 2000s financial crisis. I'm going to say it's called... Um, I don't think it's called Shoa. Uh, let's go with Inside Job. That's correct. I, I was actually planning on doing 
that you'd have to match Pappy, but I, I guess at this point, I guess whoever misses it, the other person wins, or do you want to match? We'll play match, because I know everyone's loving this game who's listening. Jesus told me so. I want to kick off Spooky Spores, but I don't know. All right. Uh, where does that go? Um, I'm going to match up the birth and failure of a new media company with startup.com. That's correct. <sighs> Down to me? Yep. Oh, baby. Um... Okay. One of these is going to be right. One of these is going to be wrong. Ah, oh, fuck me and the rear. Okay, let's go with um, Thierry Guetta. His obsession with street art and his unlikely success as an artist. Um, I think I saw this in college. I think it's called Exit Through the Gift Shop. Nice. Nice. So I'm trying to like mark some of these off. I guess we can probably edit some of this out. (laughs) I think Shoah is the Holocaust as remembered by survivors, perpetrators, and bystanders. Yep. Nice. Fuck. It's like one of the top rated movies on Letterboxd. Oh, is it? It's like really, really long, I think, too. It sure is. <laughs> hey, now. Holocaust jokes, Brett. <laughs> is it me? By the way, I did not forget one. I just put the other one twice. Is it me? Uh, yeah, it's you. But Josh hates me right now. I don't know. I love you, Brett. Sweet. I'm glad. You know? We're definitely getting to some of the harder ones. There's, I mean, there's a couple that if you read them, I mean, I, I'm, there's one that Jesus, I'm surprised Brett, Pappy stop. hasn't gone to. I will do what I want. It's my show. I'm trying to get screwed out of trivia <laughs> where people are giving clues. I was trying to give a clue to you, actually. That's dirty. Let's see. We're going to have to start doing the shot clock, guys. Hey, easy now. We can just edit it out. Yeah. yeah. I really don't want Pappy to have this. Why? Because... I know exactly what movie he's going to pick. Because I'm competitive. And I already have it on my DVR. You like too. my pick. It's spooky. Um, fuck. I have no clue. So let's just say... Um, uh, is there... Uh, salesman... Um, is there... What was that tagline... Uh, four door-to-door Bible salesmen. Let's go with that one. That's, that's correct. 
Yes! Spellbound, uh, the story of the 1999 National Spelling Bee. Yeah, I was waiting for somebody to get that one. Yeah, that's correct. Stevie, no time to think. He got you good there. Where that one ready? Easy now. I just don't like Eric Clapton anymore. Can't get past the racism. What? He's racist? Says whom? And he steals people's songs. He's a piece of crap. Hmm. I don't know why George Harrison was friends with him. George was a good man. Let's see here. I think... I think Eric Clapton, like, stole George Harrison's wife, even, or something. That's what Wonderful Tonight and Layla are about. Jeez. They didn't steal them, but they were still friends afterwards. Yeah, because George Harrison is, like, moondog-level cool. pacifist. They were divorced. They were on a break. Posed before, <laughs> posed before bros, apparently. Right, yeah, let's go, guys. Um, yeah, this is the only one I can even try to match up. Uh, let's go with The Trial of the West Memphis Three... Paradise Lost, the child murders of at Robin Hood Hills. That's correct. Thank God. One day in September, the murder of 11 Israeli athletes at the 1972 Summer Olympics in Munich. <sighs> Nailed it. Happy, why are you the worst? <laughs> I want to win. He's and looking ahead, man. He's smart. He just not giving Stevie any time, so it's going to take like three minutes in between each one. Good. Let's see. Sixteen left. So yeah, Eric Clapton is like a douche. Please tell why, Josh. I want to listen and look at no, what I have let's, left. Let's save this for the the thread, man. Let's just get this over with. I'm having a blast, but you know, I I don't know what, what if the the listeners are having a blast. Brett, this is your world, man. I'm just living in it. True. <laughs> all right, you all right, all right. Did this to us. Are you missing one, or am I just reading one? I got another one. I got another one ready. Missing one. Nice. So, like Clapton and Harrison were tight. I bet it was. When when Harrison quit the band, like briefly, Clapton was like glad to like take his place. What an asshole! Mm. A terrible man. All right, I think I'm just gonna call it a day. Uh, Let's see here. What one have we not done? There's one. There's, there's clues in all these, man. I spent so much time looking for one. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing, but like, the, there's so many in the print so small. I know, I'm and sorry. You can command plus. Yeah, I could. You could command A and then just make the eight, uh, 18. Professional institution. Okay, let me just try one. I'm ready to throw a towel. I'm tired. Uh, <laughs> Life inside the Massachusetts Correctional Institution, Bridgewater. Let's try um, Gates of Heaven. No. All right, good. Thank God. Happy? Lost in La Macha, Terry Gilliam's failed attempt to make his Don Quixote movie. Yeah, I, I'm surprised it took you so long to see that one. Yeah, that's right. Hey, uh... Where was Grizzly Man? Yeah, there's at? no Grizzly Man on here for sure. I, l- I spent so much time. Brett, I was looking for that for ten minutes. I said like, let it go. I'm like, okay, it's not on here. Fun trivia, everyone. 
Yes, Grizzly Man <laughs> is on there. Thank you very much. I like the trivia. Where? Grizzly Man is the violent death of Timothy Treadwell and Arnie and Amy Huguenard. Gotcha. And Stevie, the one uh, Gates of Heaven is a pet cemetery in California. Gotcha. I took one out about child molestation, rape, and another one. Well done, bro. Ah, yeah, I think. Josh might have done better. <laughs> All right, let's kick it to Spoilers Man, guys. <laughs> Spoiler Man here. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme song. And we're back, man. Uh, I th- We're going to kick it to Pap, and he's going to give us a movie. We're going to get you guys out of here. Pap? Well, as you guys know, this is our last episode of September, so the moon of spook is on the portal, boys. You okay? Yeah. <laughs> He's super pumped. And uh, <laughs> this is pretty exciting because we're going to finish out a trilogy, uh, something that we're doing for the first time on Spoilers. Uh, we've done one of these movies every year now for the past three years. We're going to close it out with Sam Raimi's uh, Army of Darkness. Yes! Now, right, is this guys, movie going to be on a like a Packers Thursday? Is Brett going to be able to squeeze this one in? I'd love to see you guys miss a Notre Dame game to do this podcast. In a heartbeat, bro. No, you heartbeat. would not. Oh, would. Most certainly. All right. Well, let's hope that this movie's better than The Last Evil Dead. Um, if if you guys are still with us after an hour 33, I appreciate it. I love you guys. Uh, we're out of here. This is Spoilers. It's the first line of the film, man. It's got to be on the money here. Roll on the window, Bill. It's all right. Uh... Okay, cut. All right, man. Shit. It's, you got to give it some passion, too, man. And you got to... It's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Oh. Jesus told me so. It's all right. Uh, there's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Okay, great, Bill. But we gotta, we have to have fluidity in there. It's all right. It's okay. Uh, okay. Okay. Cut. You gotta bring passion to it. A message. It's a message. This it's- is for the shits and for the birds. <sighs> This is for the birds. Okay, I believe we can do this. I believe this can be done, Bill. Hey, man, Mike, why don't you keep track of what takes these are, man? Does this fucking take seven? Okay, let's do take seven, man. It's all right. It's okay. Um... Cut. Okay. You have to believe in what you're saying, Bill. You do? Well, I don't. I don't believe nothing what you're doing. All right. Give it some passion. It's all right. It's okay. There's something to live for. Jesus told me so. You did it before. You could do it again. Okay, this is take eight.
It's all right. It's okay. Okay, that's fine. You gotta watch your teeth too, cause they clack a little bit when they loosen up in the mouth. And take ten. It's all right. It's okay. It's something to live for. Jesus told me so. Bill, you couldn't ask for anything better. I think it was recorded too high. Give it all you got. Uh, what take is this? This is take 16. Let's go. Take 30. It's all right. Hold up. Take 30. It's, it's all right. It's okay. This, uh, Jesus told me so. There's something to live for. Okay. Cut. Take 31. Oh, is that enough now? No, listen, Bill. I ain't going to do this anymore. That's all for me. Goodbye. Okay. Uh, I'm going to see what we have to work with. I'm going to... Jesus Christ, man.